Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio, and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country, where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. And by the way, listeners, I know you'll be glad to hear that Kevin Sykes will return beginning Sunday, October 22nd at noon Eastern Time with more of 1001 Stories from the Old West. And by the way, we've had such good listenership all summer long with Tales of the Texas Rangers that we'll continue that series right here at 1001 Stories from the Old West every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time beginning Wednesday, October 25th. Thanks so much for being faithful listeners. And now, our show. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, wheelchair killing. It is 8.40 p.m. May 1st, several years ago. Colby, Texas, near the edge of the great piney woods, is unusually crowded as several hundred young men from a nearby CCC camp have converged on the town to spend their monthly allowance. In the office of Sheriff Pete Saunders, the sheriff and his deputy are standing by in case any emergency should arise. Uh, uh, I don't know why I'm so groggy, Sheriff. Mm. Not even nine o'clock. For that tired rig, I don't think there's any need for you to stay any later. I can handle things. Why don't you go home? With all them young bloods in town? Oh, they seem to be all right. No sign of any fuss. I walked down Main Street a while ago. They were behaving. Yeah, just the same camp as new. It's the first payday they've had around here. man can get pretty high with 30 bucks in his pocket. They don't get the whole 30 rake. They only get five of it. Government makes them send the rest home. Oh, I didn't know that. Sure, that's the whole idea. Where till I get this? Sheriff's office. Sheriff Saunders speaking. You'd, you'd better go to the old house on Log Hill. You, you'd better go there right away. 
Old man Swain's place? Yes. Yes, hurry. Go there quickly and, and bring a doctor. Why? What's the matter out there? Who is this? Well, I'm just calling. That's all. You better go right away. You better give me your name if you... Hello. Hello, hello. Yeah, what's the matter? She hung up on me. Come on. Something wrong at old man Swain's place? Something funny wrong or somebody's idea of a joke. Mile and a half out to Swain's and he hadn't got a phone. And that call must have come from someplace else, then. Yeah. See if you can trace it. Then pick up Macker and Carl and follow me out to Swain's. I'll get the dark on the way. Finley Swain, a victim of rheumatoid arthritis, was found dead in his dilapidated home, seated in his wheelchair. An inquest was called and an autopsy ordered. He had not died from natural causes. The sheriff called for the help of a Texas ranger, and ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, joining the sheriff at the funeral home. Body's in here, Jace. Uh-huh. He's a pretty old man. Pressing 80. Crippled up bad the last 20 years or so. Hadn't been for that phone call, I'd have figured his heart just gave out. Guess the doc would have, too. Good thing you asked for a coroner's inquest. Let me see the autopsy report. Yeah, yeah. He uh, died about eight last night. Hmm. Ruptured spleen, concussion. Doc says he was beaten to death. That's funny. No marks on the body. No, all the damage was inside. Whatever he was hit with, it didn't leave any marks on him. Length of rubber hose, maybe. Something like that wouldn't leave a mark. You find anything like that? Didn't have much chance to look, Jace. Maybe my deputies will run across something, though. I left three of them out at Swain's last night. Why three of them? I may need more than that when he gets around that the old man is dead. place will be loaded with vultures. What do you mean? Well, it's kind of a funny thing, Jace. The old man was kind of peculiar, living off by himself in that big old house, not even a cleaning woman to help him. Started some crazy talk a long time back. Rumor got around that he had a lot of money stashed away at his place. You think there was anything to it? Nope. Because I know what he was living on. Got a check for $70 every month from some insurance company. Annuity? Yeah. Too bad everybody didn't know that. He probably killed by somebody trying to force him to tell where he hid the money people think he had. That could be a motive. On the other hand, might be other reasons for killing him that we didn't know about. I doubt it, Sheriff. When a man comes into a place to kill with nothing else on his mind, he does it fast. This beating took time. Come on, I want to look at Swain's place. The sheriff was right about the vultures. If his deputies hadn't been on guard, the house would have been a shambles. One of the deputies came inside with us. At the old man's wheelchair? Yeah, hadn't been moved. That's where we found him sitting. My lab crew will be coming in from Austin. They can dust the chair for prints while they're going over the place. Hmm. What's this on the floor? Uh, where you stand there? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Felt a little crunchy when I walked across it before, like somebody spilled some sugar. Uh, it's not sugar. It's more like white beach sand. No beach sand around this country, Jason. Just the same. That's what it looks like. Lab boys can tell whether it is or not. Right near the old man's chair, too. He get around much? Outside, I mean? Best of my knowledge, he'd never wheel himself further than the front porch to get the sun. Oh, to get his food in. Reg can tell you that. We used to sit on the porch and flag down a passing car or truck, ask him to pick up things for him at the market. I stopped by often to get him things. <laughs> Had a red flannel shirt he'd wave. Spotted easy from the road. Let's look through the rest of the place. Hey, hey wait a minute. What is it, Jay? A few more grains of sand on the floor here. More of it right on into the kitchen. Let's go out back. 
There's nothing here, Jase. Just a stump field all the way back to them hills. Somebody's been out here, though. Look. Part of a shoe mark on the ground. Barely see the outline. The toe dug in deepest. Man must have been running. Only one thing wrong about the whole setup, Jase. That phone call I got was from a girl. It doesn't register as the kind of a killing that would be done by a woman. Besides, a murderer doesn't usually call in a report. Too bad you couldn't find out who made it. Well, at least we know it came from a payphone in the lobby of the Colby house. Desk clerk didn't notice anybody, though. I see. Let's spread out a little, see if we can cut across any more tracks like this one. Reg, you move off to my right about five paces. All right, Jase. I'll fan out on this side. Good. Let's move. All right. I'm getting some light tracks over here, but the ground's too hard. They're not very clear. You must be on the right trail. There's nothing at all over this way. I'm going to blank you. Put it. Put it. Find some rag? Yeah. Yeah, you better come here. What is it? Man's sock. (laughs) It's more than just a sock. Knotted at the middle and heavy at the toe. It's full of sand. So that's where those grains of sand come from. That killer must have thrown that away while he was running, James. Huh? Here's a murder weapon, Sheriff. Now all we got to do is find the person who used it. The trail behind Swain's house petered out past the stump field, and we lost all trace a mile into the thick foliage of the piney woods. I sent the sock full of sand through to the Austin lab for examination. Meanwhile, a lab crew met me at the Colby funeral home and went over Swain's body. That sock must have been the weapon, all right, Jace. Look, just combed a few grains of the sand out of the old man's hair. A little more embedded in the scalp. Impact of the blows must have forced some of it through the sock weave. Must have. That's why you found traces of it on the floor. How you making out there? Don't know much yet, Sheriff. You check with the other lab men out at Swain's? Yeah. Usual jumble of smeared print. Now, that may be a report from Austin. I'll get it. Uh, Hello? Yeah, speaking. I've had Rig okay, checking on that ahead. sand, Jace. No firm in the area handles that grade. That's funny. Right. Isn't likely the killer came from far off. Why not? Well, talk about the old man's having money stashed okay, away is Andy, sort of a local rumor. I'll tell him. Andy and Austin with a report from that sock. There an army camp around here anyplace? No, why? That sock is army issue. Oh, wait a minute. There's a new CCC camp up in the Piney Woods, Jace, about nine miles from here. Hey, they're civilian, but they get their clothes from army issue. Camps are run by army officers. More than a hundred men up there. Yeah, and a good chance that one of them is the boy we're looking for. That rumor about Swain having money's been around for a long time. If somebody from the town was going to do him in, they'd have done it before this. Come on, Sheriff. Let's drive up to that camp. Sure. Well, it'd be better if we could borrow a truck from someplace. Why a truck? Old Logger's Road is the only one to the camp. High centers. Kind of rough on a passenger car. Especially one towing a horse trailer like yours. Well, I got charcoal in my trailer. Can't we cut straight through the woods on horses? It's a good idea. Save us time in a couple of miles. You got a horse at your place? Yeah, it's on the way. All right, I'll drive you out. Start from there. got the sheriff's horse. I unloaded charcoal from the trailer and we headed into the piney woods. As we drew near to the camp, we caught glimpses of men working in squads of four or five and finally ran across one man alone and mounted. Fellow on horseback ahead there, Jace. Can you see him? Yeah. Looks like a straw boss. Moving into a clearing now. Hold there! Hello! He's waiting for us. Come on, 
He must be one of them fellas from the agricultural college. Understand they got four of them supervising. Have to have somebody who knows the woods. Most of the other camp boys are from the big cities. Yeah. You fellas looking for the camp? Oh, oh easy, boy, easy. Yeah, that's right. It's about three quarters of a mile off that way. You'll see the tents when you get over that rise. Who are you? Oh, my name's Joe Roberts, section leader. My name's Pearson. This is Sheriff Saunders. Oh, howdy, Sheriff. Hello. You uh, out here about something connected with that murder in town? How'd you know about that? Wasn't around town till this morning, and you're quite a ways off. Well, Major Beck told me about it when the truck brought him out from town this morning. Oh, the Major was in town all night? Yeah. He doesn't live at the camp. He just comes out days. No place out here for his wife and daughter. Wife and daughter, huh? Anybody else out here have women folk in town? Uh, no. Why? Just curious. You know where the Major and his family are living in town? Well, sure. At the hotel. Colby House. That's where that phone call came from, Jase. Yeah, I know. Thanks a lot, Robert. So long. Sure. Better have a little talk with the major. You can say that again. Good boy. Go, Charlie. Come on. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Every Friday evening, there's another stirring adventure series for Western fans on this station. Yes, every Friday, NBC brings you the King of the Cowboys, Roy Rogers, with the Queen of the West, Dale Evans. Make your date for thrilling listening with the Roy Rogers Show every Friday evening at this same spot on your dial. There's action and adventure in Paradise Valley when Roy Rogers rides the airwaves, and there's also a song or two by these wonderful Western entertainers, Roy and Dale. Be sure to hear them Friday. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers. And today's case, Wheelchair Killing. An authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. Major Beck was regular army. In his early 50s, over age in rank, a gray, embittered man. His office was a field tent at the head of the company street. So, you think that old man was killed by somebody from this camp? We've got reason to think so. Because of a sock. Socks like that have been general issue since 1917. I don't like any accusations against my command, especially accusations based on such flimsy evidence. There's something else beside the sock, Major. I notice your company's street between the tents is paved with gravel. Well, what about it? Is that gravel bedded in beach sand? You can see it around the borders, can't you? Sure, we can see it. It's the same kind of sand we found in that sock that Swain was beaten with. There's no beach sand anyplace else in this area, Major. Where'd this come from? How do I know? An advanced cadre of engineers set the camp up. I suppose the sand was trucked in with other material. <sighs> All right. Everything you've found points to this camp. I should have expected something like this. What do you mean by that? No, what would I mean, Ranger? What can you expect from sidewalk bums? Bums don't work, Major. And the crews we pass seem to be working pretty hard. I have to spend my time with them. You don't. What time do your men come in from the woods? Four o'clock. All the clothing they have issued through your own supply? Yes. All listed and signed for. Good. They couldn't have lost much in a month. At four o'clock, I'd like you to call for an inspection of equipment. See if we can find somebody who's missing a sock. All sorts of equipment was missing. Shirts, extra shoes, mess kits. But there was only one man who couldn't account for a pair of socks. 
All right, Rendasso. In the tent. All right, all right. Look, Major, what kind of crime is it to lose a sock? There's a shortage on him or something? The ranger and sheriff will tell you. I, I thought you ranger guys was just something they made up for the movies. We've been around since long before there were any movies, Randazzo. Okay, so you're a cowboy detective. So find out who stole my socks. Don't be funny, young fellow. Look, mister, I ain't trying to be funny. But what are you all jumping on me, huh? I wash my socks, I hang them off the dry, and one of these dewdrops puts his hooks on them. That makes it a federal case? Randazzo, a sock belonging to somebody in this camp was used to kill an old man. It was filled with sand from the company street and used as a blackjack. Hey, you mean that's how they knocked off that old nickel pinch on Log Hill? Oh, you know about that. The whole camp knows about it. What are you looking at me? The guy that picked some age up told us about it when he brought the truck back this morning. Were you in town last night? It was all in town last night. We got paid yesterday. The major let us go in on a truck. What time did you come back to camp? When everybody else come back. Trucks picked all of us up again at midnight. Same place they dumped us out of Main Street, but a corner near that hotel. The Kobe house? That's the only one, ain't it? What'd you do while you were in town? Up to nine o'clock. I was having a hamburger in that place next to the bus depot. I was there from eight till ten. Mm, you must be a slow eater. It's a long time for one hamburger. Who cared about the hamburger? I was trying to pick up the blonde behind the counter. She keeps giving me the smile with all the teeth bit. I ask her what time she gets off. She tells me ten o'clock. So what happens? Five minutes to ten, she got a boyfriend comes to meet her. A guy eight foot tall. You know the girl he's talking about, Sheriff? Yeah, Lucille Mason. Must have been her husband met her. Her husband? How do you like that? Could she have been the one who made the phone call you got, Sheriff? Not a chance. The girl that called was a lot younger. I don't think you have any right to hold this man until you've checked on the story. We're not holding anybody, Major, until we've checked on a lot of things. All right, Randazzo, you can go. But don't leave this camp except with your work crew. Leave this camp, he says. From now on, ain't even gonna leave my tent. I should have never left Brooklyn. Major... That goes for everybody out here. Don't let them use the trucks. Keep them in camp. You better stay here to make sure. My wife and daughter are in town. Well, I can't stop you from going home. But if you do, the sheriff will have to send deputies out here to keep the men confined to the camp area. I don't want civil authorities here. I'll stay. Thanks. Come on, sheriff. Let's get back to town. You know, Jace, I kind of got an idea. So have I. A girl's voice, young... Not from around here. And the major's daughter staying at the Colby house. I think he knows more than he's telling. Act's kind of funny. No, he's all right. Probably a pretty good man. Mm-mm. He hates his men. Because they're not what he's used to. But give him credit for one thing. He doesn't want any of them involved in this. If he had the authority to do it, he'd probably take that randazzo and hang him to the highest tree. But when he thought we might take the man in, he went to bat for him. Yeah, I see what you mean. Hey... There's that fellow Roberts we met riding in. Section leader. Yeah, giving our horses water. Good for him. Your horses are kind of thirsty. Yeah, thanks for taking care of them, Roberts. <laughs> That's all right. Say, how'd you make out with Randazzo? He seems to be all right. Hey, most of them are. <laughs> Major Beck doesn't like him, though. Well, that's his privilege. I guess he'd rather have some young army officers around so he could sort of handpick a son-in-law. This gal's pretty. She associate with any of the fellows here? Well, when the camp first opened, a fellow named O'Brien, a good-looking kid, better education than most of the others, he used to drive the major back and forth from town. Then, all of a sudden, he got somebody else. Put O'Brien on mess hall detail. Took him off the trucks altogether. You know if O'Brien was seeing the girl? Nobody could have met her pretty often that first two weeks picking up the major. Well, the truck drivers get into town almost every day hauling supplies and things. Uh-huh. Well, thanks a lot, Roberts. Horses look like they had enough, Sheriff. Yeah. Come on, boy. So long, Robert. So long. So long. Get up, Come on, boy. Come on. 
Well, Jase, what's our next move? Ride out of here to my car and then drive back to town. We're going to do Major Beck a favor. What kind of a favor? Just tell his daughter he won't be in town tonight and see if you can recognize her voice. At the Colby house, we got a break. The Major's wife wasn't in, but the daughter answered when we knocked at the door of her room. Sounds like the voice, Jase. Good. I got a message from your father, miss. Oh, just a minute. That's the voice, all right. Huh. What's the matter, miss? Sheriff and I can't look bad enough to make you go pale like that. I I thought when you said you had a message, it, it would be somebody my father sent from camp. What did he want you to tell me? Just that he won't be in town tonight. You mind if we come in, miss? We'd like to talk to you. Well, I, I have a lot to do, and, and I, I... We only want to know where you were between, say, 7 and 9 o'clock last night. I... We know that you were in the phone booth in the lobby at 8.40, because that's where you called my office room. Please, please don't talk in the hall. Come in. Were you out at old man Swain's house last night? Yes. Yes, I walked out there just before 8 o'clock. What for? To meet somebody. Somebody named O'Brien? Well, he didn't have anything to do with it. Johnny liked the old man. How'd you and your boyfriend come to pick Swain's place for your meetings? Because my father or somebody might have seen us if we met in town. How'd this uh, Johnny get to know a crippled old man who never left his house? When he was driving one of the cab trucks, Mr. Swain waved to him from the porch one day. Johnny saw he was in a wheelchair and he stopped to see what was wrong. The old man wanted some things from town, and after that, they got to be friends. Uh, fits, Sheriff. Your deputy said Swain had flagged down a car or truck when he needed anything. All right, miss. Now, what about that meeting last night? Johnny got a lift from camp on, on the last truck in. After the early trucks came in, I started to walk out to Swain's, like I always did, so so that Johnny could catch up to me on the way, on the road out of town where... Nobody would see us walking together. Did he catch up to you before you reached Swain's? Yes. And then when we got there and went in, we saw that the old man was slumped over in his chair. He raised his head just once and said something about not wanting to be hit again. And then he almost fell, but Johnny sat him back in the chair. And then we couldn't get him to move again, and, and we got frightened, and, and since there was no phone, we came back to town. You both left the house together, by the front door. And then when we got back near town, we split up. I, I came back here to the hotel and, and called from the lobby. Well, we weren't even sure he was dead until we heard it was murder. I reckon you're going to have to come along with us. We'll send somebody out to get O'Brien. No, just a minute, Sheriff. Miss, yes. where does Johnny O'Brien come from, his home? Boston. City boy all his life? Yes. Oh, now my father's going to find out we're married. Married? Yes, we were married last week. Your father's going to find out, all right. But not from us, from you. I think you better tell him. Come on, Sheriff. We're just going to leave her? For now, come on. Jace, I know she sounded like she was telling the truth. She was telling the truth. You know anything to back that up? A few things. Whoever killed the old man bolted out the back door. One person running. Yeah? They found the old man conscious, still alive. So she says. And it fits. If the old man had died after the beating with no disturbance, 
Killard spent some time looking for hidden money. He didn't move things, left dust rings. He didn't because he had to run. That brings us back to the fellow with the missing socks. Randazzo. Yeah, he's not the one either. We're going back to the camp and talk to the men who drove those trucks in last night. We want the man who came into town on a truck and went back on foot. What we need is a missing passenger on the return trip. If there was a missing passenger. We followed somebody's trail all the way across Log Hill into the Piney Woods. Wherever it was kept going. They wouldn't have gone that deep if they were going to cut back to the road. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just somebody who'd been scared off like that would head for the camp instead of the town. Sure gives us a big bunch of suspects, though. No, it doesn't, Sheriff. What chance would a man from the city streets have if he tried to make his way to a camp nine miles deep in the piney woods? Especially on foot and at night, with no path to follow. It'd take somebody who'd spend his life in open country. Only men who fill that bill are the camp section leaders. Yeah, and the truck drivers will be able to account for them. Out of the camp, the section leaders are bosses, and nobody forgets seeing a boss. It was 2 a.m. when we reached the camp and woke the major. He led us to the truck driver's tent. One of the drivers had the answer we were looking for. He'd hauled section leader Roberts into town Saturday night, but Roberts hadn't ridden back with him. We left the tent. Roberts sleeps in the last tent. The end of this line. Alone? Yes. As a section leader, he has a private tent. Hey, hold it a minute. Where does Randazzo sleep? The fellow was missing the sock. Uh, let me see. Uh, that tent right there. Let's wake him up first. What do you want Randazzo for, Jace? He's clear. I know it. But I want him to help us with something. We haven't got enough to make a case against Robert's stick. What's your plan? I'll tell you as soon as I get Randazzo out here. You know which bed he's in, Major? Yes, uh, first bed to the right as you go in the tent. Wait till I get him. Andazzo. Andazzo. Get up and come outside. Don't wake anybody. I can't come out without my pants. All right, slip into them. I look up. I'm being pinched, am I? No, we'll be able to make an arrest in a minute with your help. You mean you know the rat that put his hooks on that sock I was missing? That's right. Just laid me to him. I'll feed him a mouthful of knuckles. Never mind that. Just do as I say. You ready? Yeah. Now, listen carefully. Here's what you do. I gave Randazzo the plan, and we went over with him to Robert's tent, ready to jump in if the plan worked. This is the tent. All right, Randazzo. We'll be right out here. No, you just leave that crumb to me. I hope he plays it right, Jay. Shh. Hey, Robert. Wake up, oh, you oh, crumb. What? Who is it? Who's in here? It's me, Randazzo. What are you doing in here? I'll come to talk with you. At this time of the night, get out of here. Get back to your tent. Listen to me, you do drop. You'll talk to me right now, or I'll go to town and my talk to a ranger. What do you mean? You know what I mean, you crumb. That sock was stolen from me. I saw you take it. Keep your voice down. What? Why would I take anything from you? That's what I wanted when I saw you. That's why I didn't say nothing. Then I found out, all right. Well, you crumb. If I couldn't have told him where I was when the old man was knocked over, I'd have been a pig. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry. I can keep quiet. I keep real quiet. All it's going to cost you is a hundred bucks. I haven't got a hundred bucks. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, guy had money hidden all over the joint. Everybody knew that. But I didn't get it. I'll kill you, Randazzo. 
You open your mouth about me and I'll beat your brains out. You're ready. Hey, I went through you. Chief, we better get it. Yeah, come on. All right, Roberts. Let him go. Grab him, Ranger. He killed that old man. He just told me. We heard what he told you. Try these cuffs for size. He's lying about those socks. I never had You better any... shut up until you get a lawyer. You all right, Randazzo? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'd have flattened him if you hadn't come in. Claiming Roberts is a prisoner, Major. Any objection? Mm, what objection can I have? He's not military personnel. You're the law here. Thanks. I didn't mean to hurt the old fool. If he'd only told me where the money was, I'd, I'd never... There wasn't any money, Roberts. The old man never had a dime. But everybody said that you he You can was... save your story for your cellmates at Huntsville, Roberts. Get your clothes on. Let's go. Harlan Roberts made a full confession to the brutal murder of aged and crippled Finley Swain. And the following year, he was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of his life. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Bill Johnstone, Tom Tully, Mike Barrett, Frank Gerstel, and Tom McKee. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Mercott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Today, here are the big show broadcast from Paris and featuring such stars as Fred Allen, Josephine Baker, and your unpredictable hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. Then join in the fun with Phil Harris and Alice Faye as they bring you a half hour of mirth and music. Later, Theater Guild on the Air presents Casanova Brown with Diana Lynn, Dan Daly, and Kenny Delmar. It's the big show. All this and Tallulah 2 on NBC. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men.
men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Texas Rangers come these stories based on facts. Names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, play for keeps. At five minutes past midnight on December 12th, several years ago, Sheriff Bob Smithers of Bradshaw County, Texas, staged a raid on a gambling establishment located on a country road. But there were no patrons in the house, and the sheriff's face grew dark red as he and the local constable failed to find any evidence. And nothing in the upstairs room either, Sheriff. You're sure of that, huh, Jim? Not even a deck of cards. See, Sheriff, like I told you, I quit the racket. Yet this is the fourth time this year you rousted me out of bed. I know you're operating, Walton. And I'm going to get you for it. You're not going to milk the citizens of this county. Not while I'm sheriff. Look, sheriff, this happens to be my house. Warrant or no warrant, you finished your business here. How about getting out? I guess we might as well go, sheriff. No, Jim. We're going to stay a minute. I want to talk to Walton. And you. About what? I was sure of this raid tonight, Jim. Dead sure. Just like I've been sure the last three times, because only you and me ever knew about him. I didn't tell nobody but you, Jim. You, the constable. <laughs> Sounds like he's accusing you of tipping me off, Dunn. I know he tipped you, Walton. You better watch what you're saying, Bob. All that talk about law and order and wanting to uphold him. Let me see your wallet, Jim. Take it out and let me see it. Now, wait a minute, Sheriff. You shut up. Come on, Jim. I want to see if you're carrying the kind of money an honest man gets for being a peace officer. What I carry on me is my own business. Why, you cheap two-bit snake. Nothing cheap about a few hundred once in a while. Be smart, Sheriff. Get a few for yourself. Why don't you listen to him, Sheriff? He's talking sense. Come on, both of you. I'm taking you in. You can't make anything stick. Maybe not. But I'm going to make this county too hot for both of you. I'm going to run you out of it. Keep your hands off me, Sheriff. You're under arrest. Grab him, Walton. I just I got him. Now, just hold him, fool, while I get his gun. I got there. him. There. Now. Don, you, you killed him. No, no. No, you killed him. You grabbed his gun and killed him. He was after you, Walton. I got a gun of my own, and I'm the constable. Are you setting me up for a frame? Not necessarily, Walton. It's up to you. His body could be moved out of here. What's your play? What do you want? No more chicken mash. Fifty percent of your take. You can go right on operating. With him dead, you crazy fool? You're forgetting something, Walton. I'm top dog now. And investigating this murder will be my job until a new sheriff is appointed. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to be able to solve it. The body of Sheriff Smithers was found the next morning, dumped in a ditch by the side of an old wagon road. During the next few days, Constable Jim Dunn conducted a seemingly honest but fruitless investigation, even following the efficient peace officer's routine of making use of the state lab facilities at Austin. But citizens of Bradshaw were not satisfied, nor was the editor of the Bradshaw Times. 
Clippings of his editorials were on file with Captain Stinson of the Texas Rangers. And the captain sent for Ranger Jace Pearson. You want to see me, Captain? Yeah, Jace, sit down. There's a new acting sheriff appointed by the court of Bradshaw County here, Jace. I think you better take over. About the killing of Sheriff Smithers? Mm-hmm. I'd like to. I knew Smithers. See, that's right. You worked with him about five years ago. When he first took office. Cleaned that county up in three months and cleaned it good. Well, it doesn't look like it stayed clean, Jace. Not according to this editorial clipping from the Bradshaw Times. I've read it. It's going to be a tough one, Jace. No clue to the killer, and the trail has had a couple of days to cool off. Well, then I'd better get going before it gets any cooler. You'll hear from me. Uh, Jace... Yeah, Captain. I just want to remind you, whoever did it doesn't hesitate to kill a man wearing a badge. I reached Bradshaw in the early morning. The town was waking up and the Bradshaw Times was turning out its bi-weekly edition. I went in to see the editor, Frank Carlin. So you read my editorials, huh? Well, I'm glad no somebody's reading yeah, You've got readers, all right. People have been clipping them out and mailing them into our headquarters. Yeah, I guess there's always a handful of people to hold out. Wonder what the world would do without them. Everybody was so burned the day of the killing. Then in 48 hours, they want to forget it. Yeah, it's always that way. How about the constable, Jim Dunn? Oh, he's all right, I guess. But he's only been constable for a year. He just doesn't have the experience. It'll take the court a couple more days to decide on a new sheriff. I better knock out a story on you rangers coming in. Might wake the people up again. I'd rather you didn't, Mr. Carlin. I'll, I'll be around and they'll know soon enough. Oh, see what you mean. Want me to lay off the editorials for a while? If you don't mind. You know, Sheriff and I are on different sides of the fence politically, but he was an honest man and I liked him. I got a headline back there, all set and gathering dust. It says, Sheriff's Killer Caught. Ranger, give me a chance to use it. I found a place to park my horse trailer and put charcoal in the pasture. Then I headed for the constable's office and met Constable Jim Dunn. There are all the reports in my investigations, Ranger. You think I haven't done a good job, maybe those will change your mind. I even checked ballistics with the Austin lab. My being here isn't a criticism of you, Mr. Dunn. I'm here because I was sent until a new sheriff is appointed and to give you help. I've done everything possible. I've questioned almost a hundred people. I've checked alibis on more than a dozen possible suspects. It's all there. Yeah, everything's here. Everything except the murderer. And that's the only thing I'm interested in seeing, Mr. Dunn. A little cooperation between us might clean it up. I'm... I'm sorry I blew, Ranger. It's been getting under my skin. This murder could have been committed by anybody. Some bum from a hobo jungle, some drunk, anybody. We can't arrest anybody. We've got to arrest somebody. Somebody definite. Now, exactly where was the body found? Old Wagon Road bypasses town about two miles north. Is it fit for a car? Yeah, but you've got to go round about to get to it, almost 11 miles. You won't find nothing there, though. I'd like to take a look anyhow. Can't we cut cross-country on horses? Yeah, shorter, if you want it. I want to. 
My horse is in a pasture. I'll meet you at the edge of town in five minutes. body was found just a little further on. You can see the road now. Not much of a road left. No use for it anymore. Sheriff must have had some reason for using it if he came way out here. Hey, here we are. Who Oh, charcoal. Oh, boy. Hey, Sheriff's car was found right over here by the side of the road. Where was he? Lying right beside it. Been dead about seven, eight hours when he was found. Who found him? Cowpoke, looking for some strays. That's lucky. Otherwise, the body might have been here for a few days or even weeks before somebody came across it. Yeah. You get pictures of the position of the car and the body? Of course I did. Anything else? Yeah, any exhibits, casts of footprints, anything like that? No. When I got the call, I brought a bunch of men out with me. I was excited, and I didn't think to stop them from tramping around. I can see why you'd be upset. Well, if there was anything to find, it's a cinch it isn't here now. Whether would have wiped it out if your men hadn't. You want to go back to town? Yeah. I want to look at the car. How about the exhibits from the sheriff's body? I sent the bullets and the gun in. Your lab checked it. Verified it was the sheriff's own gun. I'm talking about the clothes he was wearing. You got those, haven't you? Sure I got them. I got all the evidence there was. You should have sent it all in. I want to look at that stuff, too. Well, let's step it up. Come on, Charlie. Get up! Get up! There's everything, all tagged. Everything the sheriff was wearing when he was killed. I see. Is this the shirt he was wearing? You see the blood and bullet holes, don't you? Yeah. How come your lab didn't find any prints on the gun when I sent it in? Didn't even have the sheriff's own prints. It was wiped clean. Hmm. Well, this is kind of odd. What? Well, the sheriff was shot twice, and they dug one slug out of him. The other one passed clean through. Yeah, according to the coroner's report, one slug hit his collarbone. That stopped it. Yeah, that's what I mean. The course of the bullets. Both shots fired into the left side, just above the kidney. But the one that came through came out the right side of his shirt collar here, right through his neck. What about it? It's a funny course for a bullet to take. Unless the man who fired the gun was lying down and fired up at the sheriff. Yeah, 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 that's what I figured, too. They must have had a fight for the gun. He got it, but the sheriff knocked him down and... No, no, that isn't the way it happened. How do you know? Because the sheriff wouldn't half turn his back on a man who'd just taken his gun. Besides, these powder burns show the gun was being held right against the shirt when it was fired. What do you think happened then? Well, the sheriff must have been in some position where he was bent over forward, which he wouldn't be unless somebody was holding him in that position. Here, stand in front of me for a minute. Now, you're back toward me. What are you going to do? Slip one hand under your arms and then up behind your head in a half Nelson and twist your other arm behind you in an arm lock. Then bend you over forward like this. The sheriff was held like I'm holding you now. The bullets were pumped into him. See what I mean? Now that That's just a guess. It's a guess I'm going to back up. And if the sheriff was held in a half Nelson and an arm lock, it tells us something else. That there were two men in on the murder. 
Unless the killer had three hands and used the third one to fire the gun. That's pretty smart figuring, Ranger. Only because it's the kind of figuring I've been doing for a long time. Uh-huh. Are these the photos that were taken at the scene? Yeah, the sheriff's body and the car. Uh, the car, the body moved any before these were taken? Nope. car was right there, with the sheriff flat on his face beside it. And less than two feet away from it, his right side toward the car. Yeah. The bullet that passed through the sheriff came out on his right side. That means it should have hit the car. But there's no mark. I don't see that. That helps us, any. It helps plenty, Dunn. It tells us the sheriff wasn't killed out there. He was killed someplace else and brought out there. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Tonight, enjoy 90 minutes of great entertainment on The Big Show featuring Jimmy Durante, Ethel Merman, Fred Allen, and your unpredictable hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. Then, Theater Guild on the Air brings you Joan Fontaine and Ray Milland in the delightful comedy, The Major and the Minor. Later, enjoy the sparkling premiere performance of The Eddie Cantor Show, featuring recorded visits with such great show people as Al Jolson, Ted Lewis, Sophie Tucker, and Bill Robinson. Tonight, it's The Big Show, Theater Guild on the Air, and The Eddie Cantor Show. Hear all three on NBC. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers. And tonight's case, Play for Keeps. An authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. I knew that Sheriff Smithers had been killed by two men. That his body had been moved after the killing. But it wasn't nearly enough. It was evening before I figured out my next move, a move I didn't like to make. Evening, ma'am. Remember me? Why, it's Jace Pearson, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. Been a long time, Mrs. Smithers. Oh, come in, Jace. Come in. I... I, I suppose you know about Bob. Yes, ma'am. And that's why I'm down here. I came by to pay my respects. Funny thing. First time Bob brought you through that door. I never reckoned you might be back someday. Looking for a man who killed him. I wish it could have been for another reason, ma'am. But Bob kept things working so well here, there seldom was any reason for a ranger to come visiting in Bradshaw County. Uh, I know how you fellas keep working along. Can I offer you a bite to eat? Please, Jace. That'd be real fine, Miss Smithers. I knew it might help her and me if she could keep a little busy with her hands doing woman things in the kitchen. And I tried to eat, but kept remembering the man who'd sat across this same table from me five years before. Big, honest, stubborn, and unafraid. It's mighty nice of you to stop by, Jace. Bob would have been happy to see us sitting here again. He always said a man with a good appetite was right with the world. Ma'am, I guess Jim Dunn has already asked you, but do you have any ideas about who might have killed Bob? Oh, no. Everything went so well for a few years. 
All I know is that last year or so, Bob was upset about gambling. He after anybody in particular? A man named Walton, Lou Walton, has a big house on the south road out of town. Bob always says it was a gambling house, but he could never catch Walton. You mean he raided the place? A couple of times. Last time was the night he was killed. Dunn didn't tell me about that. Bob was killed after he left there. Walton's, I mean. Dunn said they didn't find anything, so Bob started back for town. But he never got home. Mrs. Smithers. Hmm? I have to ask a favor. A favor I don't like to ask. I want to help, Jace, every way I can. I want your permission to have Bob's body exhumed for further examination. Is it necessary? I'm not satisfied with the examination that was made here. Uh, All right, Jace. I'd like to have a more thorough examination made for headquarters. I'm sending them the clothes Bob was wearing for lab check and... I don't want anybody to know about it for now. All right. You're going to get him, aren't you, Jace? I'm going to try awful hard, ma'am. Well, howdy, Ranger. I've been waiting for you. Thought maybe you might have turned in for the night. I'm going to in a few minutes. I just came back to pick up the clothing exhibits. Well, I locked them away again. I'll dig them out. I want to send them on to Camp Mabry for lab tests. Well, all right. I'll give you a receipt for them. Okay. I'm done. Yeah? In those reports of yours, I didn't see any mention of a man named Lou Walton. Why should there be? I understand that Walton's a gambler and that... You helped Smithers raid his place the night Smithers was killed. Now, here are the exhibits. You're thinking way out of line on Walton. His alibi's airtight. According to who? According to me. I was with him all night after Smithers left the place. You didn't come back to town with the sheriff? No, I stayed at Walton's. Why? Because the sheriff asked me to stay there. We didn't find anything, but the sheriff figured if I hung around, somebody might show up, a call up, looking for a game. And I'd be able to get him some evidence then. Uh, anything else you want to know? No. I guess that lets Walton out. I'll take these things. Sure. Go ahead. See you tomorrow, Dunn. Number, please. Oak Hill, 243. Moment, please. Walton, done. Now get those people out and shut down. Why? What's wrong? That ranger's too smart. I tried to make things look good for myself, and, well, I guess I made them look too good. Well, uh, how much does he know? All he's gonna know. You just close down and stand pat until he wears himself out. The sheriff's body was dug up in the examiner's report sent on to Austin. Headquarters also had the exhibits I'd gotten from Dunn. By late afternoon of the next day, Captain Stinson telephoned me long distance. Got a complete report from the lab, Jace. Go ahead, Captain. You were right about the position of the body when the shots were fired. Autopsy report shows the organs were pierced in a manner that would be possible only if the sheriff were bent over forward. 
Good. Anything else? Yeah. That shirt you sent up. Lab thinks Smithers was killed indoors. Why? Some lint stuck to the blood and held when it dried. Analysis indicates it comes from a fabric used in expensive carpeting. Violet color. Thanks, Captain. That may be enough to wind this up. Then you're convinced that Walton was running a gambling joint, Mr. Carlin. Was and is. I'd swear to it. But nobody's been able to prove it. You know how suckers are. They lose their shirts and keep their mouths shut. Think they're in on a smart thing and they help the racketeers to cover up. Then Walton must have been tipped off that he was being raided. Part of the racket. They pay off and get tipped off. You ever been in Walton's house? No. You know anybody who has been there? Well, it's no secret the newspaper man Gamble moans good for him. My line of type man plays horses, I know. Uh, uh, Pete. I'll be there in a minute. Howdy, Ranger. Howdy. Uh, Pete, you ever been in Lou Walton's place? Well, come on, I don't stall. Tell the Ranger it's important. Well, oh, yeah, I've been there once or twice. I only want to know one thing. You notice any carpeting in the house? Carpeting? Oh, sure, the house is like a palace. Wall-to-wall carpet all over the place. What color? Well, it's a kind of a purple, I'd say. How about saying violet? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what it's called. You got something, Ranger? Yeah. I'm going to wake up the nearest judge and get a search warrant for Walton. You better brush the dust off that headline you told me about. I think you're going to get a chance to use it. I was wondering when you get around to me, Ranger. Seems like everybody who wears a badge just loves to poke his nose into my life. I wouldn't worry about your nose, Walton. If you want to be smart, watch out for your mouth. I didn't mean anything, Ranger. Just that a man ought to, well, ought to have a little privacy. And you love the death cells at Huntsville. They're real private. Well, I, I always cooperated. The constable, Jim Dunn, he'll tell you that. I bet he would. Nice carpeting you got here. I like the color. Yeah. Yeah, I... Hey, let me get you a drink or something, Ranger. All good stuff. I don't have anything but the best. <laughs> you know the old saying, the best is none too good. <laughs> Walton, there's been a strong cleaning fluid used on a piece of this rug. One spot faded just a little. Well, I, I spilled some wine. I had a party one night. The night the Sheriff Smithers was here last? No, no, before that. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot. Nobody was here the night Smithers came. No. No, nobody. The, uh, the constable, he stayed. Stayed most of the night after the sheriff left. Yeah, so he told me. Uh, let me show you the rest of the house. Upstairs. No, thanks. I just want to look at the walls in this room. Sure pretty. You know, at Huntsville, they don't have pretty walls like these. Just cold concrete and steel bars. What do you keep talking about Huntsville? I'll tell you as soon as I stand up on this chair and... Rip off this new piece of wallpaper. Don't. You have no right to. Just looking for this small bullet hole, papered over. Of course, you know that one bullet went right through the sheriff. The hole was repapered because a heavy picture fell. The nail made the hole. Thirty-eight caliber nail? I'm going to have this rug ripped up and sent to my lab, Walton. No cleaning fluid made will wipe out all of a blood trace. Even a drop is enough to hang you. I didn't do it, I tell you. Dunn shot him. Huh? It was Dunn. Dunn shot him. 
Hold your wrists out. You'll never get those on me. You bet wrong this time, gambler. Now get up. I'm taking you in. I took him through town to the county jail, and I walked over to the constable's office, but Dunn wasn't there. I had to find him quick before he knew I had Walton. I headed back for the jail, and as I turned into the street, I saw something move in the shadows. There was another car, not far from mine, the constable's car, and Dunn was getting into it. my tires. Unit 10 to KTXA. Unit 10 to KTXA. KTXA to Unit 10. Go ahead, Unit 10. Unit 10 convinced Constable Jim Dunn his subject sought in killing of Sheriff Smithers, Bradshaw County, attempting getaway headed north on State Highway 19 from Bradshaw. Alert Highway Patrol and all units for complete roadblock of area. Order no further radio communication. Subject in Constable's marked car, equipped with shortwave receiver. We'll do, Unit 10. Unit 10's car out of commission. We'll attempt to commandeer another car for pursuit. Unit 10, 10 4. KDXA, Austin. Step out of the way, please. Step back, please. Step back. Come on, Charcoal. Let's hope Dunn heard that call. to gamble. The last part of my call had been a plan, a plan I wanted done to hear. He'd know he couldn't get more than 15 or 20 miles before he was blocked unless he took some back road, and I'd seen him take a north turn out of town toward the wagon road he'd dumped the sheriff's body on. It was 11 miles for him by car, two miles cross country for me. I raked charcoal all the way, reached the road, and rope dragged a couple of dead logs across it. We finished just in time. I heard the whine of a car coming over the rise in the rough road as the first glimmer of the headlights stabbed the darkness. I tied charcoal back in the trees and dropped in the brush to wait. That's the end of the road, Don. Don't try backing up. Now you haven't got any tires. I'm giving you a chance to surrender, Don. You get your chances, Ranger. You missed, Don. Now I'm coming around the car to get you. You want to shoot it out? Let's go. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Ranger. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. I'll... Look, I'll, I'll drop my gun. See? I ain't armed. Come here. I ain't armed. Neither was Smithers when you lifted his gun and killed him with it. Good thing for Texas, all constables aren't like you. Come on. Walton's waiting for you at the jail. Looks like you'll be partners again at Huntsville.
following week, the headlines of the Bradshaw Times read, Sheriff Killers Caught. Though Jim Dunn protested his innocence, Lou Walton's confession and evidence submitted by the Rangers convinced the court of Dunn's guilt. Both were sentenced to life imprisonment at Huntsville. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Tom Holland, Byron Kane, Peter Leeds, and Gene Bates. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, it's the big show. All this and Tallulah Bankhead, too, on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.